Good morning, everyone. Hope you guys are good. Um, before I speak, um, I'm just going to ask Ian to come up for a wee minute um, because, as you know, we've been doing our acts, acts of service, acts of kindness, actions speak louder than words. And this week, some of the guys went out to just bless local businesses. So, Morning. So um, on Tuesday night, there was 14 of us, I think, turned up in the end. Um, and what we did was we, the church got big boxes of uh, sweets and uh, we went round to the different nursing homes in the area, um, the fire station, the library, um, up to the amenity site, up to the, the dump, if that's still the, the right term these days. Um, just basically places like that, the YMCA, etc., uh, etc. Et so um, the idea behind it was that we got a card uh, and we prayed about the card in terms of what we would write. Um, the general message obviously was basically thank you. Um, and then we took it up to these places and we just introduced ourselves and we told them that we just loved what they do for our community and their involvement in our community and just that this was a thank you and a, a, and a recognition from us. Um, so as you can imagine, when you arrive up to um, the, the dump, uh, and you hand the guys a box of sweets and say thanks for all that you do. Um, you get a rather quizzical look back in return, to say the least. Um, and I think that that story was repeated in every area that we went into, um, because it wasn't that they were, you know, that they had a specific event or a specific whatever. We just randomly showed up and just said, "We want to bless you and we love you in the name of the Lord." Here's here's a little gift. Thanks for all that you do. Um, so it's wonderful in doing that and what you actually get back, um, just incredible blessing for us as well. But also invitations for um, a couple of um, nursing homes which actually said, you know what, um, do you have an old age pensioners you know, program or ministry or whatever? Would you come and, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and talk, to the, to talk to the residents, I think is the right term? Um, so we have got more questions than we have answers now about how that would look. And then we also got lovely response from the YMCA asking would we come down and um, do something with, with them and see what programs they have and how we can plug in. So that simple gesture has just allowed an incredible availability for us to plug further into the community as the Vineyard Church, which I just think is incredible. Um, so yeah, it just was a, a, a wonderful night and, and, and God was very, very obviously in, in the midst of all of it. It was wonderful. So that's where we were at on Tuesday. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. So this week our action is um, if you are free on Wednesday at three o'clock in the afternoon um, we're going to go down to the Pirate Park and hopefully the weather will be good. We're going to just give out drinks and lollies. So that should be fun and who knows what doors will open there, what conversations we'll have. So we'd really love as many of you as want to to just come down and give that stuff away. Um, we just want to bless our community. So I'm going to dive straight in this morning because this message is not necessarily the easiest message. Um, yeah, so last week, just to recap, um, yeah, this message is giving our best despite our feelings. But just to remember, we're going through Romans 12. So last week, we looked at giving our best and serving others, honoring one another above ourselves, sharing with God's people in need, allowing the Holy Spirit to be the flame, to give us passion, to help us be joyful in hope, 
painful infliction, faithful in prayer, share with those in need, and practice hospitality. And we are to be devoted to one another. So those words are all well and good when that's people you like, when it's people who think like you, who act like you, or when it's your friends. But this week we're going to go on to read in Romans that Paul takes it to a whole other level. That's what we're going to look at today. So what does it mean to put others before ourselves, regardless of their circumstances, position, or behavior towards us? So we're going to read together, if you've got your Bible or your phone or whatever, in Romans chapter 12, verse 14 to 16. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. It's quite a big ask, isn't it, to do good to those who have done wrong to us. And Paul doesn't just say it once, he says it twice. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And you might say to me, well, Chantel, I'm not putting curses on people. I'm not like a witch here. I'm not like going around doing that kind of stuff. But this really means bearing ill will towards someone, and that can be the start of a slippery slope. You know, we all have a strong sense of justice. You know, that person slagged me off. That person is saying things about me that are simply not true. That person needs to be stopped. You know, they need to get what's coming to them. I'm going to get them back. Can you see how quickly it can become twisted into a desire to retaliate? But that's not what it says here in God's word. It doesn't say, those people who do you wrong, you go get them. It says, bless those who persecute you. And I really don't know about you, but I know that I cannot do that by myself. You know, even in our house, and we have three kids, two boys and a girl, and they all like to fight in different combinations at different times. I don't know if that happens in your house. So one will wind one up, one will wind the other up. They go on and on and on. And I'm trying to think to myself, right, I'm just going to let them sort it out. I'm not going to step in. Let's see how they get on. And eventually I just get so fed up. I'm like, oh, for goodness sake, just ignore him. Or just ignore her, which may more often be the case, but will not condemn or anyone in particular. It's so hard for them, though. They're like, but mommy, he said this. But mommy, he did that. I can't ignore it. I just can't. And it's just so not our natural instinct, is it? Like a couple of days ago, I was chatting to someone. I'm not going to look around in case they're actually here. But um, someone else's actions in their car had caused them to scrape their car. And then that person got out of their car and started swearing and shouting at the person whose car had been scraped. Now, you really do not want to bless that person, do you? You know, you really don't. Maybe you've had an issue with a family member who said and done things that have hurt you. You know, we can all, if we're sitting here this morning, think of someone who has hurt us recently, whether that be a stranger in a car or the person closest to us. And maybe the kids can't ignore it. But as adults, maybe we could just about humanly muster up the will to ignore those people who have hurt us. That's the best case scenario, right? We could just ignore it. But if you're going to turn that into a blessing, that needs some kind of divine input. 
And the Holy Spirit is the only one who's ever going to really help us turn that around. And as ever, our example is Jesus. If we look at um, Luke 23, verse 34, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. As he was being put on the cross, Jesus had compassion on those who were hammering in the nails. So if we're going to obey this command to bless those who persecute us, we're going to need Jesus to help us. And that really is giving our best despite our feelings. You know, sometimes praying for people who hurt us is even more difficult than just ignoring it and, and being friendly because it requires us to be honest with God about what's going on in ourselves and our own hearts. You know, sometimes we need to search our lives and hearts and ask God to work inside of us. And you know, sometimes that is so difficult. And I'm saying you might not be able to do that by yourself. You might need a friend to help you, a leader, or even a counselor to journey that with. And lots of us here have done that. And in our church, we've taught loads about emotional health, being an emotional, healthy church. And if we're hurting in relationships somewhere, a lot of the time we're going to have to look inside of ourselves too. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, this week I was chatting to some friends who lead another church and they've had people in their church speak badly of them. They've left the church. They've accused them wrongly of things they haven't done. And they're trying to draw in other people and influence other people about them. And the difficult thing about this is these are people that they were journeying with, people that they trusted. And, you know, when I was talking to my friend, I just could not believe it. She was amazing because she said to me, we are praying for them. We're praying for God to bless them. And actually, she is putting into words, what it, or putting into action, sorry, what it says in these words in the passage. And the reason she's able to do that is because her and her husband are walking close to Jesus. They've done what they need to do. They've searched inside themselves. They've sought wise counsel. They've talked to other leaders to make sure there's nothing in this. And they're staying close to God. They're trusting in him to get through the storm, to get through the situation. And they've even texted their church and say, we're praying for the enemy not to have his way. We're praying for God to be at work and breakthrough. And that's why they're able to push through the feelings of pain, do a place of forgiveness and being able to ask a blessing on those people who are seeking to hurt them. You know, these things are incredibly difficult to put into practice. You know, if we're going to read God's word and obey what it says, it's so hard. Guys, this is where it gets real. You know, we're not just picking up the Bible and cherry picking the nice verse that's going to encourage us today. We need to read it all and we need to put it into practice. And if we put these things into practice, that's what makes us different. That's what makes us stand out from the world, from other people in our community. And you know, this morning I am just talking about this persecution that I'm speaking of is personal stuff because I feel like that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. But that is nothing compared to what some Christians around the world are facing. You know, Christians in Egypt were blown up on a bus this week. And I'm not going to talk about the persecuted church today. I'm talking about persecution in our own lives. But, you know, what 
we get to come here, we get to worship, we get to hear his word, we get to say this stuff. So I feel that we have a responsibility to live it because we've got the freedom to live it and we need to do that. Verse 15, we're moving from blessing to empathy. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. This is more than just laughing with someone who's happy or joyful. It's more than just weeping with those who weep. This is about being united to each other. And Paul explains this further in 1 Corinthians 12. I love how, you know, um, in the Bible, Paul's letters, you know, he says it in one place, but in another book, he reaffirms it and tells us it in another way so that we understand. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. With it, If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, when we understand the connection we have as the body of Christ, we're affected by each other's joys and difficulties, and that causes us to want to respond appropriately. And we know, loads of us here have experienced this, if we are honoured and nurtured in a community, then we're stronger, and when the ups and downs in life come, we can weather it better together. You know, we love joyful things, don't we? Joy is infectious. Everyone, including Jesus, loves a good wedding feast, a good knees up. And whether there's something going on in your life that is a significant birthday, a housewarming, a new job, a new baby, an adoption, you know, we want to share in each other's joy, don't we? And we want to celebrate. But it's not just about a knees up with your friends. It's not just about your own comfortable social circle. It's about genuinely rejoicing with our whole church family. And that's also what makes us distinctive from the world. And we also need to stand with each other in sadness and difficulty. You know, if we can stand with one another, it can lighten our burdens. We can feel less lonely and it can provide comfort. You know, this church is a family. And like any other family, we are going to go through ups and downs. And these are better experienced together. Our friends in Manchester Vineyard, which just recently planted, are impacting their city in the wake of the bombing. They've been able to go to some of the homes that have been affected and just give them a card and a gift. They've been able to meet with those who are mourning. They're going out in the streets just chatting to people. You know, they're reaching out. They're weeping with those who weep. And Jesus, again, is our example in this. If we look at John 11, verse 33, this is about Lazarus. And Jesus saw um, Mary, Lazarus' sister, weeping. And the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord. They replied. Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. So Jesus knew here he is going to raise Lazarus from the dead and that soon they would be rejoicing. It would be the most amazing miracle. But he still wept with his friends. He still empathized with them in their grief. You know, and it shows true selflessness to regard another's emotions as our own, to walk in someone else's shoes, so to speak. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. It might mean holding back on your advice or your opinion, although sometimes you might need to give that. It will mean listening. It will mean imagining someone else's situation and sharing in their pain. And that's what it means to belong to one another. And as you guys know, that's something that we really treasure here in this church. 
One of our values is we love to share life together and facilitate authentic community where we can journey life's ups and downs. And I asked um, Ian and Jules if it would be okay to use them as an example. But you know recently they've experienced a loss as Ian's mum passed away. And they said to us when we were chatting to them, you know, we felt so loved by our church family. You know, people have pr been praying for us and sent us messages and popped around and supported us. And you know what we said to them? One of the reasons that is because you guys have loved so well yourselves. You've been part of it. You've poured your life into other people. And now it's your turn to let us care for you. They've been part of our church family. They've got to know other people. They've let themselves be vulnerable. They've been part of groups. And people can only share in our joys and sorrows when we let them in and we let them know. And I know that's a vulnerable thing, and sometimes that's a really hard thing. But if we're going to journey this stuff together, we need to let ourselves be known. Moving on to verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And um, that verse in verse 16, in some versions it says, we should be of the same mind. But that doesn't mean that we're going to agree on every single issue. But we should empathize with another's position and honor other people above ourselves. And earlier in the chapter it says, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. You know, there's been loads of divisive things happening in our world in the last few months, hasn't there? Brexit. Some people like it, some people don't. Mr. Trump causing scandal wherever he goes. Heating scandals in our own country, our own Northern Ireland politics. There's so many examples. And it's totally impossible for us, even the people in this room, to agree on every issue. And I know in this church that there's lots of issues in which some of us have differences of opinion. But I really feel, as Christians, we have a responsibility to learn how to disagree respectfully. You know, we need to think about what we're saying and how we're saying it. And I really think as well, I can't believe Paul said something positive about Facebook earlier. It's a miracle. Um, he even said it was the kingdom, didn't he? Did you all hear that? <laughs> anyway, I digress. But on social media, I can't believe what some people write, to be honest. And friends of ours at Causeway Coast Vineyard are American, and um, I was chatting to them over the election and Trump and Clinton and all that. And like even I saw in their feeds from people in their friendship groups and families in America writing comments, like some of the things were awful, and they were so gracious in their response. And they were saying, you know, families in America were being torn apart over all that because of the disagreements. So I think, you know, it's just... It's a side thing, but it's not a side thing. We need to think about what we're writing and saying. And would we write that, would we say that to someone's face? What we'd write underneath their Facebook post or their Instagram or whatever it is. So don't be proud. Live in harmony with one another. That's a pretty tall order and we're going to need God to help us. Philippians 2, 5 to 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So if Jesus loved others without discrimination, who are we to see anyone as below ourselves? This world is me first, isn't it? It's normal to put yourself first, what works for me, if it feels good, do it, all of that. And sometimes the way we do that is put other people down to make ourselves feel better. Humility is the antidote. If we want to live in harmony with one another, if we want to obey this scripture, we need to keep our minds open and teachable. We need to learn from our mistakes rather than pointing out others' weaknesses. You know, God loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us. We are accepted by him. We are loved by him. Nothing can change that. And when we understand that, when we understand the significance of that, then we are free. We are free from the pressure of having to prove ourselves, to prove our worth. We are worth the highest price that he could pay. So we don't need to be proud. We don't need to be conceited. We can live in harmony with one another because we know who we are in Christ. So what does all of this mean for us today? I think we need to learn to be content in whatever position we're currently in. Philippians 4, 11 and 12. I am not saying this because I am need, in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Can we be content? We need to learn to be like Jesus. Are we just trying to run the rat race? Are we just trying to improve our material status, our wealth? Are we displaying carefully edited presentations of ourselves on our Instagram or Facebook? Are we living real? Are we making ourselves known with real people, not just on Twitter, Facebook, whatever? Are we willing to look out for those unglamorous, uninstagrammable, menial tasks where we'll wash each other's feet, where it's not going to be look pretty when we post it up there? Are we willing to spend time with other people, listen to their pain, not offer all the answers? Sit with those who aren't necessarily in the limelight, who aren't necessarily maybe who we'd choose to spend our time with. Who can you guys rejoice with this week? Who can you celebrate with? Who can you bless? And who can you mourn with? Who can you cry with? Who needs someone to listen? Who needs someone's arm around them saying, I don't have the answers, but I'm standing with you? Can you put aside your own feelings to share with somebody else's? Can you see that they're reacting because they're coming from a broken place too, even if you don't understand what that broken place is? How can you bless those who persecute you? You know, in the worship this morning, we sang, He's Fighting Our Battles. And some of us today 
need to let God in and fight our battles because we do not have the strength to fight them on our own. We're going to worship him again some more now, in a minute, after communion. But this is a time to be in God's presence. Taking communion together is when we remember Jesus, we remember what he did for us, and we remember what that means. That because of him we are free, because of him we can bless those who persecute us, because of him we have value and worth because of what he did. And as we worship him, as we sing these simple songs, that's a place where we can get the strength we need to do the things we've talked about this morning. So let's just take the time to do that now.